just uh, again just introduce myself. Uh, thank you, Pastor Jim. I did a good job. About 12 years ago, uh, be 12 years in June, uh, the Lord uh, called my family. Uh, we were living in Youngstown, Ohio. We were associate pastors. Uh, it was Calvary Assembly of God. Now it's Bridge of Hope uh, Assembly of God. And uh, God led us up to Painesville uh, to be the lead pastors of the church. And uh, the church was at a place. Uh, of brokenness. Um, there was uh, division among the leadership of the church. The pastor and board uh, had um, some areas where they just did not agree. There was some unhealthiness. Uh, as a result, the pastor left, uh, stayed in the area, planted a church uh, less than a mile down the road on the same street, uh, and, uh, and took a portion of people with him. The church was in uh, decline, and as a result of that, finances were also in decline. And, uh, and so uh, with the finances being in decline, although they had paid off the mortgage of the church, the church building itself, the church grounds, and uh, a lot of other things were not able to be funded. And as a result of that, there was a lot of disrepair. And so this is a little bit of the situation that, uh, that my family came into. This was a little bit of, of what we had come into. And, uh, and as a a lead pastor, when you come in, you're hit with a lot of things when you first go to a, to a local church and, and you walk in, there are a lot of needs. There's a lot of things. How many would say in your local church, there's a lot of needs? I think that's, the, 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 that, that's probably what you face in a local church. There's probably too much that needs to be done. And so you're hit with all of these kinds of things. And so when we went in, we just began to pray, Lord, what do you want to do? What is it that you want to do? How do you want to handle this? What, what do you want to do? And uh, one of the things that had happened during the interim time uh, is that the church began to cut back in some of their mission support. They cut back on some missionaries. They cut back in mission support. And that didn't resonate very well with me. In fact, I felt that if we were going to move forward as a church, if we were going to move forward in some of the other areas, facilities that we had to, to take a look and get back up to date, ministries that had to be redone and that were going to need an infusion uh, of finances, that one of the things that we had to prioritize was missions. And the reason I say that is because the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of of heaven and all these things will be added to you as well and you know what the amazing part of that is that comes after an entire chapter in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus addresses areas of giving and areas of worry and areas of treasure and earlier he says where your treasure is there what your heart is also. And if our heart was going to be about the things of God, we had to begin to put in front of people that they had to begin to put their treasure into the things that related to the kingdom of God. Because where your treasure is, there your heart is. And if I want the people of my church, their heart to be in the mission, in what God has called us to do, then I know that had to be tied to where they were putting their treasure. And what we found over the course, at least in those initial stages, as we began to prioritize missions, and I'll talk a little bit about how we did that, but as we began to prioritize missions, let me tell you what else happened. 
the church began to come together in unity, we began to see the need not only in missions, but we saw funding come in to be able to take care of some building needs that we had. We had a parking lot that was concrete, that was completely broken up. And when we looked at it, we had to completely take out the entire concrete all the way around. We had to take out the entire parking lot. We had to put a new base down. We had to put new drainage. We had to have uh, architectural designs because it wasn't safe the way it was. The church had been built in stages. And so the, where, the, where the main parking was was up where the old building was at, the old sanctuary, but not where the new sanctuary was at. And so we had all of these needs. But when we began to prioritize missions, God began to provide and unify the church. And we began to see those other needs taken care of as well. And so I just want to, I want to challenge you. How many of you are, are part of your church's missions committee? You're a part of that team. How many of you are senior pastors? I see there's a couple of you that are senior pastors. Let me encourage you. As a missions committee, you need to work with your senior pastor. Your goal is not to work against your senior pastor. Your goal is to work with your senior pastor. You are on the same team. You need to work together towards what that vision is and, and, and what that is. So let me just, uh, I'll, I'll share, you know, I wanna, we, Pastor Jim kind of introduced a little bit of that story and, and, uh, and I'll share that. But let me just share a few biblical principles. Why do we invest, and I want to say local and global, Local and global missions. How many of you know that, that we have U.S. missions? We have U.S. missions that are, that are here. In fact, our church is heavily involved with our local uh, Greater uh, Teen Challenge, Greater Cleveland Teen Challenge, Greater Cleveland Area Teen Challenge. They're, we're a major part of, of that. But there's also some other local U.S. missions, chaplaincies, and, and some other good things. So I don't want to just talk global, although that's very important, but we're going to we're going to talk a little bit about that. But missions as a whole, what is the mandate? Well, we know the Great Commission, right? Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Let me just move forward a slide here. And, uh, and it says this. Uh, or it says this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Now, how many of you know that's a mandate for all of us, right? Yeah. We're all to go and make disciples. We make disciples of all nations. How do we do that? We can do that through evangelism in our local context. We're all called to share the gospel in our local context with people around us. We're all called to do that locally. How do we do that on a global scale? Well, certainly you can go on short-term missions. If you're called to be a missionary, there's that separation and do that. But many of us are called to be here locally. So how do we do that? We do that by investing in missionaries by investing in those that God has called and separated. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Jerusalem, that's a local context. Judea, Samaria, that would be kind of your county and in your state, those surrounding regions as you begin to push out here, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth or to the ends of the earth, to the nations. And Romans chapter 10, 13 to 15 says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how then can they call on the one in whom they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. 
And I love that passage because that passage connects salvation, but it begins to link it all the way down by asking a series of very important questions. How many of you know everybody who calls on the name of the Lord can be saved, right? We all agree with that. We're here because we have done that. We have called on the name of the Lord. But we couldn't do that unless what? Unless somebody told us. How can they call on the one whom they have believed? How can they believe if they have not heard? If there is nobody that shared with us the gospel, if there's nobody that, that preached the gospel that we could hear the gospel, then we can't come to Christ. And how can you hear without someone preaching? There's the call. There's the, there's the commission. Now we can do that in our local context. But again, to the nations, how can anyone preach unless they are sent? And it's a beautiful thing, the feet of those who bring good news. And that's talking about personnel. That's talking about sending individuals, sending people, human resources. That's always been the gospel. Jesus sent people. Certainly, we have a lot of technology today. But really, relationally, that is what makes the difference where people carry the message of the gospel. The letter to the Philippians, Paul's, it's Paul's thank you letter. It's kind of a support letter, and within the letter we learn more about a missions partnership that he had with the Philippian church. And it's one of the greatest examples that we see of an early mission-sending church. The Philippians were a mission-sending church. And Paul writes this in Philippians 1, 4 through 5, I am thankful for all of you every time I pray, and it's always a prayer full of joy. I'm glad because the way you have been my partners in the ministry of the gospel from the time you first believed until now. And that's what that's what missions is. Missions in your local church, missions in your local context is partnership. It is all about partnership. We are partnering with those that have been sent. The Philippian church, Paul says, I thank you for your partnership in the gospel. There was a partnership in carrying out the good news. It was not merely a one-way street. Philippians 4.15, Paul indicates that there was a reciprocal nature between the partnership that he enjoyed with the Philippian church. He poured into them, and they poured back into him. It's not just one way, it's both ways. In fact, it says this in Philippians 4.15, New American Standard Bible puts it this way, you yourselves also know Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. And both Paul and Barnabas, they both gave and they received. The giving and the receiving. Now there's some things that we notice in this partnership with the Philippian church. Three ways the Philippian church supported Paul's missionary work. And I think this is really critical. And it's an example that we can take. And we see this. There's three ways that they were involved in his ministry. And we can use the acronym PEG. P-E-G. P is pray. We've heard a lot about that. How many have been in this, this class, this session all day? We've heard a lot about prayer. In fact, we just ended the last session, if you were in here, with a powerful time of prayer. Because prayer really does change things. Prayer really does change things. Prayer is, about, prayer is less about asking, asking for what we want. It's more about aligning our hearts with what God wants. And if God's mission is to see people who don't know him come to know his son Jesus Christ, come to know the gospel. If that's God's heart, as we begin to pray into that, and as we begin to pray for people, 
God begins to change our heart and begins to give us a heart for missions. Begins to give us a heart for our missionaries. And we've, we've heard there are great resources about how you can pray. We had a bunch of statistics. I'm not even following my PowerPoint. I apologize. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we there, there are great resources that you've been given all day. Places that you can go. Joshua Project and other things to begin to pray into those things. Missionaries that send out their newsletters and send out personal prayer requests. Email your missionaries if you if you are looking for some specific ways as you pray into that. One of the things that we did with our Wednesday nights is we took on Wednesday nights and and we began to pray into uh, we began to pray for uh, unreached people groups and we began to pray for our missionaries. So we took our Wednesday night service and we had our opening time was worship and following that time of worship was a time of prayer. And we began to take some time to pray, and part of that prayer time involved taking and praying for unreached people groups and praying for our missionaries. And there is something special when you specifically begin to share the needs of your missionaries that you support and the needs of unreached people groups that don't have a representation of the gospel. And if you were here in the first session with Craig Kerwin, you heard all about unreached people groups and, and, and all of that was, if you weren't in that, that is where there is no, there's no representation, there's no presence of the gospel. They don't have a context for the gospel. And there are people groups around the world that do not have uh, a missionary or a missionary presence or even uh, the gospel, the Bible in their own language. And that, that Jesus said, until, until the world hears, then the end will come. The motivation that we have. And so... Prayer is really, really important as we pray into that. Philippians 1.19, that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers. Paul just, uh, he, he knew that the church was praying for him, whether he assumed that because of his relationship with him, or whether he had heard that as Epaphroditus had come and shared, hey, this church prays for you. Paul said, I not only pray for you, but I know that you are praying for me. And so one of the best parts about a missions partnership is to get involved in praying for your missionaries. Second E is encourage. Encourage. And in chapter 2, we see that the Philippian church sent Epaphroditus uh, there, and it says in Philippians 2.30, to complete what was deficit in your service to me. You know, I would assume Epaphroditus and his arrival uh, here by this message was a great encouragement to Paul. Certainly, Epaphroditus brought news of the church, their love and their concern and their personal greetings uh, for Paul. And the proverb says this, Proverbs 25, 25, like cold water to a weary soul, so is good news from a distant land. And I want to encourage you, our missionaries need encouragement while they're out on the field. One of the things we can do, and we've talked a lot, I'm, I know I'm supposed to be talking about funding, but I want to encourage you, prayer, and I want to encourage you, if you have a missions committee, I, I want to encourage you, send Send encouraging emails to your missionaries. Find out their birthdays or their anniversaries or the birthdays of their kids. Put together little care packages. Put together little cards and, and get your people sending those out. That will tie a personal relationship to your missionary so that the funding is tied to the person and the work on the field and on the ground. And our missionaries need that encouragement. They need that ministry as much as they are ministering out and are partnering they need our encouragement. So if you can get people in your church that have a gift of encouragement, they like to make, I have some people in my church love to make cards. They just, they, that's just their hobby. They love to make cards. Our women's ministries loves to make cards. 
see about how, as a missions committee, you can get to the different groups within your church, maybe your women's ministry, talking to your women's ministry coordinator or, or others that you know have a gift like this and say, hey, would you be willing to make some cars? Would you be, be willing to do some things that might send a care package or an encouragement to our missionaries or our missionary kids and families? So encouragement is one of those really important things that, uh, that we want to encourage uh, you to do as far as uh, how you can really get your, your church involved in, in loving missionaries. And then thirdly, and we've talked about it in Give, and this kind of leads into the funding part, but in chapter 4, we learn that the church set a financial gift with Epaphroditus in, in Philippians 4.10. It was not the first time that the church had done this, and had financially supported Paul's missionary work. We learn in Philippians 4, 15 through 16, the New American Standard Bible says, You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving or receiving, but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. And so we see that Paul was very grateful. Paul was, was supported financially. And from Acts chapter 17, we know that he went to Thessalonica right after leaving Philippi. And we learn that the Philippians sent several gifts to support Paul's work in ministry. And if you know the book of Acts, you know that when Paul went to Thessalonica, he experienced shortly after. He wasn't there very long. In fact, he experienced a lot of persecution while he was there. Following that, he had to go to Berea. And then they went and chased him. Those in Thessalonica came to Berea and started wreaking havoc. Paul experienced great persecution, but it was the church that sent the financial gift, sent to support him. We know he was a tent maker. He was willing to work and to raise his own funds, but it was a really great opportunity to be blessed and to be sent by the Philippian church. You and you alone did this. No wonder he was so thankful for them, right? <laughs> uh, you know, a one-time gift is useful, but I love what this is talking about because it says you didn't just do it once. You didn't just do it once. An ongoing gift is even better. Not that I seek the gift itself, Paul says in Philippians 4, 17, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. And there's an accounting term here. There's an accounting practice here that we see. It reveals something very important about giving and the financial transaction between two parties. There's two parties, but it's more than two parties, for Paul brings in a third party. And the third party is God, right? He, it says he's the accountant. He gives the, the Philippian church credit into their heavenly account for supporting his ministry. And again, Matthew 6, 19 to 21, I jumped ahead of myself. I was so excited to get started. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moths nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. In supporting the gospel, we're sending it on ahead. We don't do it for that motivation, but there is a credit. There is a credit in our account. There's a credit. There's a heavenly something that goes on for eternity that lasts beyond the things that we buy. I've, I've got teenagers that uh, I've got a 13 year old and a 16 year old. And as they're growing up, we've recently had to go through their rooms because uh, there was a lot of toys that they no longer play with or they no longer use. And we have been through that process with your kids. And the movie Toy Story does not help, by the way, uh, you know, because there's like this emotional attachment, like the toys are like real or something. You know, don't tell my kids I said that. <laughs> 
but the, the 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 truth is 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 there was a lot of things that that we had bought for them that relatives had bought for them that friends had bought for them and after a while it just sat in the bed and collected dust but what we give and when we sow into the kingdom of god when we sow into missionaries and the work that is a legacy that lives on beyond us and that is something that is eternal that is something that is eternal. And so we look at missionary partnerships. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 provides some other relevant perspectives on giving. And Paul boasts about the Macedonian church and their generosity. Uh, the church at Philippi being included in those things. And it highlights when it says this in 2 Corinthians 8 5. They first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. And see, missionary partnerships build a relational commitment first to the Lord and then to the worker. And we conclude that the relationship precedes the stewardship. Relationship precedes stewardship. And so the missionaries want to come. They want to interact. They want to have coffee with you. They want to, they want to come and meet you. Why? Why do, they want, we, do we want to introduce them? Why is it important to introduce them to our church and to our people and to keep them before? Relationship. Because relationship precedes stewardship. Relationship precedes stewardship. So I encourage you in these essential practices. Pray. Encourage. And give. Now, let me talk on this idea of funding, okay? Because our church, as I said in the beginning, we had some things where we prioritized missions. But as we prioritize missions, how many know that there are, there are other things that come up? We talked about we had building things that came up, ministries that needed to develop. And then we were growing as a church, and so some staffing needs started to get in. And what I noticed is that back in 2017, one of the things that I noticed is that our church kind of stagnated in its <laughs> missions giving kind of stagnated we had grown in our missions giving but then we had kind of stagnated in our missions giving and i noticed that several years in a row we were hitting a total local and world missions both assemblies of god and we give to some non-assemblies of god uh missions as well but total giving we were we were tapping out at about 80 to eighty-five thousand dollars a year in giving and we just kept hitting this ceiling and I began to pray into that, and I said, God, what do you, what do you want to do? What, what do you want to do through missions? How can, we, how can we encourage the church to give more? How can we encourage the church to, to buy into missions and to see that financially grow? That was a scoreboard for us. That was a scoreboard to us stagnating, not only in that, but some other areas. And I said, Lord, what, what do you want to do? And I felt like the Lord challenged and said, I want you to challenge the church that in 2017, we're going to give $100,000 to missions. We're going to give $100,000. So I talked with our board, and we prayed, and we really felt that that was what the Lord wanted to, to us to do. And so we began to gather some resources. We began to put together a theme uh, for the year, and it was kind of our direction. So we developed some graphics, and we got some theme banners, and, and, uh, and we adopted the theme, Any Place, Any Price, So All Can Hear. Any Place, Any Price, So All Can Hear. We want to give $100,000 because we want the gospel to go to any place at any price so that the world could hear. And we began to, to put that theme everywhere. We, we, we got some banners from the Assemblies of God, and we, we developed, we, got, we did that whole thing with the, you saw the placemats earlier, and, and uh, we made it the theme for our annual business meeting cover. And it was, that was our theme for the year. We put everything we had into that and uh, and we began to pray into that and we gave opportunity then we shared that communicated that with our congregation through faith promise encourage people to begin to give above and beyond their tithe but to make a faith promise and to say this is what i'm going to give 
this year in missions. This is what I believe God has put on my heart uh, to give. This is what God has put our family to give to missions. And, and so we received those faith promises and, and, uh, and we announced, okay, this is what everybody said they would give. And, and man, we were right there at 100,000. Woohoo, we're here. All right. Come on. Now we just got to do it, right? It's one thing for people to say they're going to give. It's another thing for them to actually give, right? And so all year we began to promote. We invited missionaries in to share. And every time they would share, we'd say, now your, what you're giving is going to enable us to be able to send this missionary. What, you're, what you've been giving is enabling this missionary to do this. Every time we took on new mission support, we would share. We had quarterly newsletters. We do a quarterly newsletter anyway where we send our giving statement out quarterly, not just at the end of the year. And we tie it to a newsletter that... Uh, shares what we do as a church, what we've been doing as a church, some things that we've been doing, and uh, and it does more, but it involves missions. And we also put a big thermometer up in the foyer, a banner with a thermometer. Here's our goal for missions. And we would just color that baby in. And it was a visual that everybody could see. And so we just continue to keep it in front of everybody. And, uh, and so we get to the end of the year, and we're in October, and we've already gone over $100,000 in October. And we're like, whoa, we're not even at the end. What are we going to do? We ended the year giving over $125,000 to missions. What I thought was, was a big goal in $100,000, God said, that is too small. <laughs> That's too small. Uh, and then uh, last year, we uh, I went to Tanzania, and then uh, Brother Barnabas came and and shared in our church, and uh, and he said, can I share about the church planting schools? And I said, sure. So he shared about the church planting schools, our church board, and our people said, hey, we can build one of those. I said, it's $33,000. You know, are we going to be able to do that? They said, we feel like the Lord is leading us to do that. And they were they were ready to go to church planting schools. I said, why don't we start with one, okay? They had, they had more faith than I had. Let's start with one. And, uh, and so, you know, again, we, we just put it out there. This time, what I did a little bit different with the project is, is I kind of broke it up. I took the $33,000 and I said, there are some people in my church, there's at least one person in my church that I believe God might lay on their heart to give five of that $33,000. I believe there's somebody else that over the next six months, you got to lay it on your heart maybe to give three or two. And I began to break up the $33,000. And I said to our church, if... One person does this, and if three people do this, and if five people do this, and if 10 people do this, and then I had smaller amounts of 25, and if 50 of you will do this, we can meet this goal. And we had a missionary to Tanzania, Jeff Garrett, already scheduled to be with us in November, and I said, all right, that's six months from when Barnabas, I didn't even do that, God did that. And I said, here it is, from, here it is, Barnabas is here. Six months from now, Jeff Garrett is coming, and we would love to be able to surprise Jeff Garrett and just celebrate with him uh, that we have given so that we can build a church planting school. And not only just simply give in terms of this, this project is going to replicate church planters that are going to go throughout the nation of Tanzania to share the gospel and raise up churches. And our church got behind it. And, and we were in October and we were getting close, but we weren't quite there. And I said, oh boy, are we going to get there? We ended up getting the 33, but people kept on giving and giving and giving. 
And so I had the check already made for thirty-three thousand. I got one of them big checks made. They're not that expensive, so that we could present it to him. So the picture that we have is the check of us giving him thirty-three thousand. But we had to say that's not it. We actually gave almost thirty-eight thousand dollars, over thirty-seven thousand dollars to missions. So how how do you do that? You say how do you fund that missions vision? Man, that's that's just really huge. That's just great. But how do you do that? There are some practical things that I look. None of this is is like brand new. I'm going to be honest with you. I am not a. This is not brand new. This is just some things. When I looked back and said, "What did we do?" Here are some things that I think might be some keys if you want to grow and and fund the vision that you have. These are some things that I think are clear, clear or, or, or critical. First is this: set a clear missions goal. Set a clear missions goal. You've got to know what your goal is. In 2017, we prayed, and I felt like the Lord laid on my heart a specific goal. It was a dollar amount, a hundred thousand. It might not be a dollar amount. Perhaps you want to raise your mission support by 10 percent. Perhaps that's what you want to do. You got to know what that. What is that goal? It has to be specific. It has to be something that you can measure. It has to be some kind of a target that you can put. So maybe it's 10. We want to raise our missionary budget, our missionary sending budget, or what we have, we want to raise that by 10%. Or in, in 2019, we want to send and pick up five more missionaries. Well, if you want to pick up five more missionaries, what do you want What do you want to support them at? What's your policy, or what do you want to support them at? Do you want to support them at $25, $50, $100? That's what you have to determine. So I have, if I want to support five missionaries, uh, okay, what are we going to support them at? We're going to support them at $50 a month. So five missionaries times $50 uh, times 12 months, $50 a month times 12 months is $600. $600 times five missionaries is $3,000. So that's, what, that's the number. We need to increase our missions giving by $3,000. So how do, how do you do that? That's our goal. We want to raise $3,000 more our annual giving, our annual missions giving by $3,000 in 2019. That's what you put out. A clear goal. Make sure that goal is clear, whatever it is. Or, But you got to put it in dollar amounts. So even if it's 10%, say that you're giving $30,000 a year uh, to missions and you want to you wanna give $3,000 more, then you want to raise that by 10%. 10% of $30,000 is $3,000. But you need to make it clear so that people can see exactly how much more you want to raise. So that would be step one. It doesn't seem like rocket science, but that's oftentimes the thing that we miss. That's what we miss. We say, we need to give more to missions. We need to give more to missions. But it's, what does that look like? What does that mean, give more? How, what, what are you asking for? What is the Lord challenging you to give to missions? So, so the, the next thing that I would encourage you to do is this develop a giving strategy number two develop a giving strategy so the question would be how many people attend our church let's take a, a a church of 60 so 60 people and we'll take that number we want to raise three thousand dollars more we want to increase missions by 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 three thousand ten percent so we have a church of 60 uh you know in each giving person what would they need in order for us to to be able to give uh this to be able to give uh three thousand dollars more well additionally fifty dollars annually to missions is we need 60 people to give fifty dollars annually that's a year you know what that is a month four dollars and 17 cents a month you know what that is that's not stopping at starbucks for a coffee but instead 
not doing that one, one time during a month and giving it to missions. So then you have a strategy and you say, listen, would you be willing to give up stopping at Starbucks, which is really more than that, because probably you spend five and a quarter, or five seventy-five, or I call it six bucks because you don't get out of there or spending less than six bucks. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna forego. I'm gonna make coffee at home, and I'm not gonna do that Starbucks coffee. And instead, I'm gonna give that additionally to what I've been giving in missions. I'm gonna give that to missions. Who can't give an additional four dollars and seventeen cents? And if you get 60 people that are willing to do that once a month to give that additional, you're raising $3,000. It's a strategy. It's not a big ask. It's manageable. Will 60 people give $50 annually? They may want to, but they may not. But here's the thing. You'll get other people that will say, well, that's not. Then I can give more than that. And they make up the difference, and oftentimes even more. And you find it increasing even more, but you've got to have a strategy. You've got to have a clear goal, and you've got to get you, you. You've got to have a strategy. You got to have a strategy. How do you break it down? How do you make it clear so that people can see in manageable terms? This is what I'm being asked. This is specifically what you're asking me. The, James said, "You do not have because you do not ask, mm-hmm. or you ask with wrong motives." I think sometimes you ask without being clear. <laughs> And I think if we're clear with what we're asking, if we're able to put something down in some manageable pieces, or we're able to say, if it's a bigger goal, you know, hey, there are some of you, God may lay it on your heart to give $1,000 this year, an additional $1,000 to missions. God may lay it on your heart to give an additional 500. You may be able, you may be only given 25 right now, and God may be saying, I want you to give an additional 25. I know for myself, one of the things that challenged us to give was when somebody said, how much is your cable bill? Do you give more to your cable bill a month than you give to missions? Man, that challenged me. I give more to my entertainment than I do to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Things like that can help take what is practical and help challenge somebody in the area of their giving. Because what people are going to say is, they, they say it to me when it comes to the tithe all the time, I just... I just don't have it. I'm just, I just don't have it. And, and I, I don't agree with that. <laughs> because God supplies. I've seen it over and over again. How many of you have seen it over and over again? God supplies. I was sharing a testimony last night at dinner about how we had a house when we moved up from, from uh, Youngstown, Boardman area to Painesville that didn't sell. And we had to rent it. And God supplied renters. We never missed a payment. We never missed a payment. Then we had it on the market for over a year. We had to put all kinds of money into it. I had to actually take out a loan to put money into the house because things that renters, you know, just don't take care of it like you do and in order to sell it and house house inspections and all that stuff. And I just I just got my tax return back and it covered the loan. And I am free. How does that happen? That that's not supposed to happen. But when you prioritize, God supplies. You prioritize what God wants, and he supplies what you need. He supplies all your needs. And so it's helping people to begin to understand you can do this, but you have to have a clear goal, you have to have a clear strategy, and then you have to communicate that vision and invite people to participate. 
<laughs> it's one thing for you and your board to have the vision. It's another thing for you to communicate. It's one thing for your missions committee, but you've got to make sure that your pastor is on board with that vision. He says, yes, this is the vision. You pray into it together. This is the vision. Your board gets behind it, and then you communicate and you invite people to participate. Hey, here's our faith promises this year, and there, we we want you to we want you to pray into what you can give, and you say we want to give three thousand dollars additionally to missions this year. In order for us to do that, here's what we need. There are sixty of you, and we need you each to consider giving an additional four dollars and seventeen cents a month. And if you do that. All 60 of you will give $50 annually above what you've been giving this year to missions and will together be able to raise $3,000. How many of you think we can do that? Everybody's like, yeah, we can do that. I can do that. Why aren't we doing more? In fact, that's probably what you're going to get. Why are we doing more? But as you pray into that, you communicate and you invite people to participate. You bring people in on a Sunday. We've got the resources. You've heard all about the different resources that you can have. From, from AGWM resources and, and all those things, show a video, invite a missionary in. If you have the technology and FaceTime or Skype or something like that, you might be able to set it up with a missionary to even Skype in and be able to, to share. Uh, there, there are all kinds of things that we have in which we can get the, the information out. And then fourthly, promote, promote, promote. You've got to keep it before everybody. I'll just be honest. You've got to keep it. It may seem like repetition. You may say, I'm going to wear these people out. It's okay. Because they forget. <laughs> we are forgetful people. And you know what? The next thing, the next need that comes up, the next hurricane that blows through, the next this that comes up, the next this that comes up, people will take. The next ministry, TV ministry that comes at for an ask and we need this. Everybody is asking for people to give to something. That's just a reality in our world. There are people asking to give all the time. You've got to continue to keep that vision in front of people and remind them of what we've committed to and the ways that you do that. Again, I love what Dave said in the last session. Connect it to the heart of what's being done. Read a missionary newsletter. This is what's being done. And your support is enabling us to do this. We, we shared those stories and said we were able to support this, this missionary, and this is what they're doing because of your giving. And when you connect that, you're showing people that, that what they are giving is making a difference. People want to see that. Just like missionaries do newsletters, I'd also encourage you to do that with your church. What is your church doing with the tithe? I know that's off topic. What is your church doing with the tithe? What, what are you doing? What ministries are being done? What's happening in your children's ministry, in your youth ministry? What outreaches have you done? Share those things and say, it's because of you giving. You will see people give when they, when they know that what they are giving to is making a difference for the kingdom. And not just going to turn on the lights. I mean, we know that needs to happen, right? We, we get that. I get that. That needs to happen. That's one of the things. But we've got to tie it to the mission of what we're doing. And this probably should have been number one. It's number two. It's number three. It's number four. But I have it here in, at number five is praying. In fact, when I show these notes to my wife, she goes, why isn't that number one? It should have been number one. You pray into the vision, but you've got to pray all the way through. Yes. You've got to continue to pray because who is the one that supplies? God is the one that supplies. He's the one that supplies. He's got it all. 
pray, and then lastly, celebrate. Celebrate. As you reach milestones, celebrate. Encourage people. Celebrate what you're doing. I remember uh, one year at our annual business meeting, we handed out um, uh, those little popper things. We had to clean it up. It was a mess, but it was fun anyway. <laughs> These little popper things, and, and we shared what we had accomplished and what we had done and how we had met the goal, and then we said, all right, everybody, get out your poppers, and we just popped. It was just a lot of fun. It was just, just to celebrate. When Jeff Garrett came, it was an amazing thing when we took that big old check and we stood up there and we handed it to him. You know, people just shouted and they just stood up and man, it is great. You know, I continue to give them updates on, on what's happening. We, we joined the, the network in the Molly Hub project and I share when we get those tips of what's happening in the Molly Hub, I will share. How many remember go three, four years ago, we, we participated in the building of this Molly Hub. We gave into this. This is the ministry that's taking place there now. This is why we give. This is why we give. And, and, you, and you celebrate those milestones. You celebrate what it's doing. I did have a picture at the beginning of the PowerPoint of us handing the big check kind of out of order there <laughs> as well. Um, the the la next part of your notes here is this, developing a missions allocation process. I just want to touch on just a couple of things because you said, what do we do with all that money? What do we do as we raise that money? What do we do? And I know that Jeff failed did a great job of sharing a missions policy and, and kind of sharing some of that. But here's some thoughts to consider. Personnel versus projects. These are things that are going to come up. For us in 2017, we wanted to raise the level of giving so that we could increase the number of missionaries that we were sending out and our overall missions giving. Uh, we, we were raising in 2018, our attention turned to wanting to fund a church planting school in Tanzania. That was a project. You're going to have personnel and projects. Let me encourage you with this. Uh, projects are great, but supporting on-the-ground the missionaries is more important. You won't have a project without a missionary. Sure. And, and, and missionaries are there to make sure that they work with the national church. One of the things I love about the Assemblies of God uh, and, and, and their philosophy of working with missions is that their missionaries work with the national church. They raise up nationals. They raise up the national church so that when their presence is gone, there is a national church that remains. When you partner with an Assemblies of God missionary, you are partnering with a national church and a national ministry that outlasts that missionary's time in that nation. I, we did a missionary, we did a, a ministry trip to Mexico with Mike Hattinger when I, when I was a youth pastor, and we took a team, and I actually took a team of, of um, adults and students, and we did a building and evangelism project and it was great is that we were working with a national church and our people were building with their people. Our people were working with their people. And when we left, we were able to then look back and Mike was able to talk with those people to tell us how that ministry of what we had poured money and we had put time into, how that was growing and what that was doing. And it was great to do that. And so uh, I, I want to encourage you that personnel must take priority over projects. There are, there are projects that are going to come up, and they're good, and you, you should be involved in that. But more importantly, personnel ought to take the allocation. Local versus global. There are local needs, and, 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 and there's, a, there's, there's, there's local things that you can be a part of, that your people can be a part of and jump on board. There's local ministries that are doing a really good work, and they're really important. And, and we want to be involved in our Jerusalem. Much of what we're involved in our Jerusalem is evangelism. It's different than missions. It's evangelism. 
It's what we ought to be doing in the Great Commission. It's what we're doing in our local context. Now, there are U.S. missionaries and U.S. missions groups that we pour into. We pour into Teen Challenge in Greater Cleveland. We, we pour in. We work with our local homeless shelter. And there are dollars that you need to, to, to account for for that. But you also need to look at U.S. missions and world missions. And then thirdly, unreached people groups versus reached people groups or nations or in the, the fourfold ministry, the uh, reach, train, reach, plant, train, and serve. serve. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and when you're talking about service projects, can I just speak about one more thing when it comes to service projects? Make sure the service project is tied to the gospel. Yeah. Our church uh, was doing a great thing. We were working with a, a local ministry that was working um, uh, with, with human trafficking. It was not an Assemblies of God uh, work. And and uh, I had heard about it, and okay, well, I'll let this go. And we had, you know, one of our ministries was really, you know, working in that. And then I began to do some investigating into what they were doing, and I kept looking for the, the gospel. Where is the gospel? Where is the, this is a Christian agent. Where is, where is the gospel? And I found that there was very little of the gospel. There was a lot of serving, but it really wasn't tied to the gospel. And that bothered me from a mission standpoint, because there are a lot of, people that are working to provide that service, and it's a good service, but our, our goal as a church, our goal as missions, is for people to know Jesus, for transformation. Wells are great, but how are those wells serving to connect people to the gospel? If they're not connecting people to the gospel, then I'm not sure I want to allocate very precious stewardship of missions dollars into that area. I would rather connect it to a ministry that's doing the same thing, that is also connecting that work and serving with the gospel. Yeah. Oh, that was okay to say. Yeah. <laughs> just, it's, yeah. it's one of those personal things for me, and I realize I never put that mic on when I just looked over there, so. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> oh, boy. So anyway, what we have here is allocation. So how do you do it? Every church does it different. We heard the way church, uh, Jeff's church does it. You, you might want to determine what is it that you give to missions. Uh, do you give a missionary? You know, do you, how do you do that? Is it $100 a month, $25 a month, $50 a month? You've got to determine that with your pastor, with your board, and your local context. And Jeff did a great job with that. But perhaps, say, there's $100 for missions. What percentage of those funds is going to go to projects and personnel? Uh, I would suggest perhaps 75% to personnel, 25% to projects. Uh, you know, or something like that. Out of the 75%, this is just an example, what percentage is going to support local U.S. and world missions? Perhaps 25% for each, or perhaps you prioritize and you say, you know what, world missions is something that is really uh, at the heartbeat of where we want to go, so maybe we prioritize world missions, uh, local missions, a 15% of that budget will go to local missions, 25% to U.S., 35% to world missions. Then out of the 35% to world missions, you say, okay, uh, what percentage is gonna go to, to an unreached people group? And what percentage of that is gonna go to, to ministries that might be a, um, 
sending someone uh, to, a, to, to like a training school where they're raising up and they're, they're pastor, they're, they're educating and training uh, leaders who might go into unreached people groups. You need to kind of prioritize and say, how do we want to allocate this? What do we want to do? And thinking through some of those allocation percentages will help you to be a better steward of the mission funds that you raise and not reactionary or emotional by what simply comes your way. So these are just some things just to think about uh, in terms of that. But every, every church is different in the strategy, how they're going to steward those dollars. Every church is a little bit uh, different with that. So um, those are just some of, the, some of the things that I wanted to share. And I just want to also say it starts with you. So if you, if you have the vision, if you're the missions director, you're the missions leader, you're the missions committee, don't ask people to do what you're not willing to do yourself. You've got to be the lead. You've got to be the lead sacrifice. We're not talking about the biggest gift, but the biggest sacrifice. We, we may all be at different levels in terms of what we can give. We're not talking about equal gifts, equal sacrifice. Equal sacrifice. And so don't ask your people what you're not willing to do yourself. And so if you're saying we need to do this, what are you willing to do? So let me just open it up for questions. What what questions do you have? What what are some thoughts, Dan? Pastor, do you have a, um, a missions committee? You mentioned that. Is that how do you operate there? At yeah, I have a I have a, a couple of guys from my board, and then a couple of congregation members that we uh, we surface different needs and missionary needs, and then we bring those to the board. That's in the beginning. We're developing that. I've been the main driver, and that's an area where I'm pushing that out right now. But I would encourage a missions awareness team because what it does is it pushes the vision out beyond just you as the senior pastor. But I still think you have to be involved. <laughs> senior pastor really does have to be involved because there are so many things that hit a senior pastor in terms of budget uh, and board. But, but senior pastor really feels that weight, if I can just be transparent for a moment, feels that weight of every need and every ask that comes uh, that comes your way. We get phone calls, we get asked, we get, uh, we get multiple people from the congregation that we needed this ministry pastor, we needed this ministry, and we needed it, and it can be overwhelming. And so there, it really has to be at the heart uh, of the pastor in that way. Other questions? Thoughts? I know we've been in here all day, so we're really tired and we're ready to go home, right? <laughs> Anybody else before we close? All right, well, let's close in prayer then. Father, we just thank you so much because missions is your heart. It's your heartbeat because you want to reach people. Jesus, you gave your life for people and you, you want to see them saved. Father, we want to be a part of that. We want to be an extension of that in our local churches. We want to see that here in America. We want to see that in our cities. We want to see that in our, in our townships. We want to see that in our villages. We want to see that in, our, in, our, in our, our local counties. We want to see that in our state, Ohio, for Jesus. Father, we want to see it around the world. Yes. So, Lord, I just pray that you would give us, give us the vision. What is the vision that you would have for our church? What do you want our church to do? What peace what part, what, what part role do we play? And what is your vision for our local church? 
in missions? What do you want to increase in our local church? How, Lord, can we develop a heart and a culture in our local church so that we can send forth those laborers into the harvest and we can see the gospel to every nation, every tribe, every people group? Father, use us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you all. God bless you.